So, um, well, we've been in this series, Life Like This, and it's all about discipleship, about choosing a discipleship lifestyle and living that out. And for us as Nazarenes, it's totally central to who we are. It is for all Christians. Um, for us, you might not know, but our denominational kind of statement about missions is to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. And so if you're choosing to be a part of this church, that's what you're choosing to stand for, to making disciples in the nations. And of course, that starts for us here in this church and in this family and in the people that we know and have relationship with. And so our church goal is to make disciples in the nations. So I hope after five weeks of starting to talk about discipleship, and Mike's going to be talking about this more, um, they might even let me up here once more, who knows. But I hope that discipleship is something that you are becoming very familiar with, the idea of it. And so I'm going to start off this morning with a simple question for you, and that is, are you a disciple of Christ? And do you know if you are a disciple? And some of you might be thinking, well, I might be a disciple. I've accepted Jesus into my heart, and I, I think I might be a disciple of Christ. Um, well, today we're going to examine kind of what that means a little bit and about how to build a faith that lasts, how to be a disciple that lasts, and you make disciples, and that's what being a disciple is about. So let's open in a brief word of prayer, and then we'll go from there. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and we ask that as we open your word this morning, your holy scripture, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. And for those of us who are committed disciples, I ask that you would spur us to uh, greater sacrifice and obedience to make more disciples, Lord, and that we would go deeper in our faith um, and walk with you. And for those who are here who have accepted you but have maybe not committed to truly being a full disciple of yours, I ask that you would work in their hearts this morning, Lord, and that tonight, today might be the day where they do make that commitment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, Jesus called his first disciples while he was walking by the, the lake, the sea there, and he saw his disciples in the boat. They weren't disciples yet, I guess. But he called them, and immediately they came and they followed him. And that's what the first part of being a disciple is, is being called. And these people he called while they're fishing. And I know some of you guys, uh, yesterday we had the church free family fun fishing day or whatever we called it. Um, I think that one, we, somehow we have a picture. I don't know. Maybe we should check this out. Is it there? Yes, there we go. Um, that was the first fish for Ryan. And he, he, I don't know that he would have, he was excited when it was coming in and when other people had fish. But when he got one up close, it wasn't quite as exciting for some reason. But think about if you had a fish proportionally that big to you, you know, that would be like a fish story, you know. Um, but anyways, that was fun. Um, and thanks to Tim and Carrie for putting that on yesterday. We were at Round Lake. All right, you can, yeah. Um, but Jesus called his disciples while they're fishing, and they answered and followed him. And that is what being a disciple is. The first part of being a disciple is knowing that you were called. And the exciting thing is that we are all called, that Jesus called. He wouldn't call us to something that we weren't able to do. He wouldn't say, well, I'm going to call you to be a disciple, but secretly inside he knows how they can't hack it. All right, that he knows that we are up to that task and that we can be a disciple of his. And so for me, um, I was called, and we've all been called, into relationship with Jesus first. And for me, my spiritual story started in Newport, Washington, just you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is to get to Newport from here. 
um, just right up the road there, and in a little church in the Nazarene when I was just a small child. Um, and then that church, when I was, I think, four maybe, um, like went out of business. I don't know what you say when the church closes, but they, they closed up. I think there's a Mennonite church there now, so that's cool. At least the gospel is being teached there still. But anyway, so our family, um, we, did, we didn't go to the Nazarene church anymore. We went to a little Baptist church in Newport. And going to Awana's in the Baptist church in Newport, there's a little church there, was when I first felt God calling me. And I prayed to accept Jesus into my life. Um, and then let's fast forward to um, my senior year of high school. It was another time that I felt a calling from God. And I felt like he was calling me to be a disciple, to give him my whole life, to not just accept him into my life, but to give him my life and to choose to be a disciple of his. And so I did. And then a few years later, when I was 21, I was at NNU, Northwest Nazarene University, and then again I felt God calling me and calling me into the ministry with my profession and with my life. And, and so I changed my major and, and went for that. And then again, a few years later, at age 26, I felt God calling me to this place, to this church. And I am very excited and honored that I've been here for five years. And Chad says we should go for at least another five. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, but for me, my spiritual story has been a story of callings. Now, we are all called to be disciples. We are all called to accept the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, invite him into our lives, and receive that forgiveness. And if you've not taken that step this morning and you're here, I would encourage you that that is the first step towards being becoming a disciple and to take that step because you would never regret it. But then all of us are called to accept that discipleship lifestyle. And maybe today that is something that God is calling you to. Um, I kind of have a, a fun story. Well, at least it's fun for me. I don't, I don't know if you'll like it. But um, when I was in Pocatello, before we came here, I was a youth pastor at a Baptist church there. And uh, I met a student, and I'll just call him Brandon, because that's his name. Um, so Brandon, uh, his girlfriend came to our church. And he was not a Christian, didn't come to church. And his girlfriend invited him to this uh, costume party, Halloween alternative kind of thing that we did. And so he came, and I just got to know him a little bit that night. And shortly after that, he and his girlfriend broke up. Um, and that, a lot of times that means that one of them, you know, quits coming to youth group. That's kind of how these things go. Um, but he kept coming, and I got to know him. And that year I was able to pray with him to accept Christ. And I was able to baptize him that year. And then um, he, he became a disciple. It was awesome. And then he started, his family wasn't saved. And he started telling his brother about Jesus. And then his brother got saved. And then he started, they started telling their family. And they all got saved. And, and that's, that's, to me, that's so exciting to know that um, because I felt like at least, in, at least in one point in my life, there's been other cool stories like that too, but where I felt like, man, I, was, I felt like I was obedient to what God called me to. And it wasn't that I did any great thing, but it was just obedient. And, and God worked through me in that. And then because I started discipling Brandon, and then he started discipling his brother and then their family, and now they're discipling people. And it's pretty exciting to think about how someday when we're in heaven, I'm going to see how far that went. And, and there are countless people out there who are waiting for you to disciple someone so they'll disciple someone who will then disciple them. And, and that's a pretty exciting thought, I think. Um, and I hope that you all have a story like that, that there's someone that you've discipled. And then that person's discipled someone. But if you haven't a story, if you don't have a story like that, it's not too late that you can have a story like that. And 
I, I have heard so many Christians over the years talk about um, church and, and the body of Christ and kind of what they, what they get from it, right? And it seems like for most Christians we have this checklist when we're kind of thinking of good church versus other church and whatever, you're kind of comparing churches, and you have a checklist of, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 things, and, well, that church has 13 good ones, and that church has 15 good ones, so we'll go to the 15 one, all right? And, and obviously we all, you know, I hope that you're all here because you've chosen this church as your, your home church, but as a disciple, I mean, once we've picked the church, it's more important than that. It's more important than just kind of what we get out of it, but as a disciple, it's about about growing as a disciple, but more importantly, it's about making disciples. And that's what we're called to as disciples, is to make disciples. And you'd think I could, after preaching this like three times today, um, especially when I preach it to myself in the morning. I never lose my spot then. (laughs) But anyways, um, so there's, when I asked you if you know if you're a disciple, I want you to keep thinking about that, because we're going to go over some stuff that will help you identify and well am i am i a disciple or at least maybe i'm in some parts of my life but not all but for me as uh as the family life pastor here this idea of discipleship is completely central to what i'm trying to accomplish here and what i feel called to here and that that my goal for the kids and young people in this congregation is to be equipped to live a life as disciples of jesus that they would have the christian tools to know how to follow him and and the really cool thing is is as people who are leading young people, that we are fulfilling our call to make disciples. And so we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians. And if you have your Bible, you can open to that. If you prefer to read from the screen, you can do that. It'll be up there. Um, I prefer to read from <coughs> my Bible, which I will do. Um, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is where we're going to start, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to drink some water while you look it up. It says this. Um, As I read it, though, I would like you... This is really, I think, a letter to a group of disciples. And it's pretty cool about how, as we read this, listen to how he's describing these Christians. And I think that this really talks about a lot of the things that a disciple is. And you can start to know, do I identify with those things? And then I'll help you know, well, am I really a disciple or not? So we'll start in verse verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. (coughs) They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, 
Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. So that's a group of people who are disciples, right? And there's a lot of stuff in there talking about those people and what kind of defines them and, and how you know that they're disciples. And so there's a little simpler statement just kind of listed off the characteristics about disciples. It says this, from this, from First Thessalonians. Disciples work hard. They have faith. They do their work out of love. They endure. They hope in God. They are like family to each other. And I love that part. They are loved by God. They are chosen by God. <clears throat> they share the good news about Jesus. They are powerful. I See, that's the part I should have been yelling. Darn. They are powerful. And they, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They have conviction. They imitate God and mature Christians. They suffer for Jesus. They are full of joy. They are an example. They are known for following Jesus. I think that's important. They are known for following Jesus. They serve. They are patient. That's what disciples are like. Disciples imitate their discipler. Disciples imitate Christ. And disciples are always learning. So that's what the discipleship life looks like. And I know after reading that list, and I'm comparing my life to that, <clears throat> I'm feeling a little bit inadequate. <laughs> um, but I think the good news is, is that when we choose God, when we choose this discipleship lifestyle and say, yes, I'm going to say yes to your calling, God, he molds us and he starts to work in our lives. And we look more and more like that the more we say yes to him. And so we know that we're all called. We know a little bit about what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. Um, I want to read another piece of scripture to you. This is from Matthew 28, if you have your Bibles with you. And this is the Great Commission. And this is really about if we know we are called and we know what a disciple looks like, well, this is what we're called to. All right? And this is the last words Jesus shared here on earth with his disciples before ascending into heaven. I'll just read verses starting verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's what our task is. Simple. Just make disciples in all the nations of the whole world. (laughs) All right? Um, And baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Kind of a cool little side story here. Um, I was talking with my brother-in-law, Andrew. Some of you have met Andrew. He grew up in Scotland, and he's a Nazarene pastor in Canada now. Anyways, um, I was talking with him yesterday, and just a neighbor of his decided to accept Christ yesterday with Andrew, and so he baptized him on the spot. And uh, I thought, wow, that doesn't happen too often. And I thought that was kind of worth celebrating. That's a cool thing. Um, so when I, Kendall and I moved here five years ago, and there's something, I mean, we, we moved here, we fell in love with this church, and there was something, though, that was different about this church than some of the other churches we've been a part of. Now, certainly, this church has flaws, and the longer I'm here, the more I see them. Um, but, <laughs> but the more I love the people, too, so it's okay. Um, but maybe I shouldn't have said that. Oh, <laughs> good thing I got the gift before the service. Um, anyways... When we got here, we saw that there was a big emphasis on intergenerational ministry. And what that means is basically that as the body of, the Christ, of Christ, that we do stuff together. And, and that seems like a simple concept, but 
churches I've been a part of before, and, you know, right or wrong, I don't know, if I'm sure that we had best intentions at the time, but I felt like we're pretty entrenched in kind of silo-style ministry, which by that I mean that a silo stands alone, right? That you have a, a children's ministry that does its own thing, and a youth ministry that does its own thing, and the men's and women's ministries, and, and whatever ministries you have, they're pretty, just pretty separate. And uh, I was part of a church for a while that um, the children could go through birth, through high school graduation, <clears throat> and not even be a part of the Sunday morning fellowship because they had all these specific things for just kids, you know. And I think that as the body of Christ, as, as we're accepting this discipleship lifestyle and making disciples, we need to do this together. And that, uh, I mean, for young people, it's so important to see more mature Christians, or just for new believers in general of any age, to see more mature Christians and to be able to emulate them and serve and worship with them. And for more mature Christians, this is important because equally we are called to make disciples. And this is a way that we do this by teaching with our lifestyle and worshiping and serving together. And, you know, when I first got here, I I planned a mission trip um, to Montana with the youth group. And it was the teen mission trip. And and it was was great. but there's, there's one participant. Um, wait, I thought. Anyways. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, and it was a great trip. Um, but we took, I had about a dozen teens and three adults, myself and Hugh, who was here for service, and Steve Geiger. And, uh, and since then, I, I feel like that was what we were called to at the time. But I think God's really worked in my heart a little bit since then. And as I've learned a little bit about discipleship and now we plan trips where we take way more adults than teens, but I think it's just as important for the teens to be there, but that I think the more adults you have speaking into a young Christian's life, the better, because we're making more disciples. And, um, but I guess it just took me a little getting used to that idea when we got here, and, and I remember specifically Craig, he was guilty of this. Um, I, I would plan like youth events in that first year or two I was here, and I still plan youth events, but that I plan these events and work really hard on it. And then like the day before an event, Craig would say to me, you know, Kyle, why don't we just invite everyone's families to come too? And I was like, okay. And it created a lot more work for me, but that's fine. But I guess it was just kind of a novel idea that, boy, that as the body of Christ, we should be together and, and we should serve together and worship together and fellowship together. And, I mean, God's word is clear that, we are here for each other. And it's not just about what we get out of it, but as we make disciples, we're there for each other. And there's one more passage I want to read from the Bible. It's from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you are welcome to read along in your Bible or up on the screen or just listen. 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I think that's encouraging to hear. God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, 
where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts to one body. And I want to jump down to verse 26 and 27. It says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So that's what we are. We're the body of Christ called to be disciples. We are all called, and we have this discipleship lifestyle to make more disciples. And um, for me, uh, I've been in ministry about 10 years now as a career. Um, but I've been a Christian basically my whole life, you know, since the Little Baptist Church, after the Nazarene Church, went out of business. Um, <clears throat> but for me, it's kind of a, it's, I, when I look back over my life and think of people I know who were following Christ when I was younger or even just recently, who are no longer following him anymore, um, that's, that's a hard, hard thing to think about. That's pretty sad, and it really breaks my heart. And then I think about people who weren't following Christ, and now they are, and that makes my heart sing. Man, those two things, I, it can be like up and down when I think about those things. Um, <clears throat> and for me, there's something that it just seems like God's put on my heart the last couple of years, and that is, uh, I think, a passion for people who, who at one point were walking with Christ and were, and then were disciples of Christ even, and then have for some reason just kind of left that and, and walked away from it. And uh, for me, there's this question that is this burning question of why does that happen? Why, for some people, as disciples of Christ, do they have this sticky faith, this faith that just sticks? They just can't get rid of it, right? And then there's some people that just it seems like they can just drop it and move on and and you talk to them, at least this is my, my case, and some of them are like, eh, whatever, you know, and they just kind of move on from it. And I, I, it's just, it's, it's a vexed, it's vexed to me trying to figure that out of why does that happen. And um, I know that, like, specifically thinking about youth ministry, that I have shared the gospel with so many teens over the years, and, and I've had good spiritual mentor relationships with lots of teens and, and some of them have walked away from the faith, and some of them haven't. And, and, I mean, statistically, over the last 10 to 20 years, I mean, across the United States, about half of the young people who grow up in the church and are part of the church, either highly involved or just a little involved, doesn't matter necessarily, about half of them leave the church and don't come back. And that's, again, that's pretty depressing. But I know for me, as I think about, you know, another stat, that about... Mike says 80%. I heard 90%. But that 90% of the people who accept Christ do so before they're 18. So obviously, that is a field that is ripe for the harvest. And I believe as we're making disciples, I, I always use the pulpit to you know, get volunteers. Um, but as we're making disciples, man, what an awesome opportunity we have to invest in young people. And for those of you who do that on a regular basis, thank you so much. And I know that some of you pray so much for our young people, and thank you so much for your prayers. We covet your prayers. And for those of you um, who do neither, you should start one. <laughs> um, but prayer is a very powerful tool, and we need more people to work with our young people as well. Um, but I've talked with lots of people about this, other youth workers, other children's workers, lay people in congregations. Uh, a friend of mine is a family life pastor, um, doing pretty similar to what I am here in Nampa, Idaho. I've talked to him about this. And uh, I even read this book recently. And this is a little commercial for a book if you need a book to read. It's called Sticky Faith, Everyday, Everyday Ideas to Build Lasting Faith in Your Kids. Um, if you need a good book to read as a parent, um, this book is awesome. 
And I, as I was reading it, I kept finding myself wishing my children were a little older so I could implement more of the stuff in there. There's a little bit you can do with little guys, but um, great book just about how to live a discipleship lifestyle with your kids, and I would encourage you to check that out. Um, but in these conversations, in the book, as I was trying to answer this question of what is it about some disciples that stick with it and some just don't, right? And we all know people who were great on fire Christians at one point and just kind of walked away from it. Uh, kind of came up with a little bit of an answer. And I don't know that this is a magic bullet apply to everyone type of answer, but it seems like there's some common themes coming through. And I think one of the biggest problems is that people are not part of the body, that we don't, we're not there for each other, and that people are removed from the body. And so many times I've heard Christians say something to me like this, like, well, I don't need to really be involved with the whole body. I've got my small group. Or I don't need to go to that. I've got youth group. Or, you know, I've got my Sunday school class. Or whatever it is. But that I find that if people are not plugged in with the body in general, because we're here for each other. We belong to each other. That's what Scripture tells us, that we belong to each other. If we're removed from the body, even just a part of the body we're removed from, it's a lot easier just to walk away from that. And... This might not be like something really profound for all of you to consider, but think about it this way. Think about, um, for me, obviously I'm thinking about a young person who graduates high school, maybe they've only been involved in youth group, and then they go off to college and they don't have any relationships outside of that in the body of Christ. I mean, how easy is it for them to walk away from that? Or maybe for someone who's been coming to Sunday morning service, either committedly or off and only, is that a word? Off and only? for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever. It could be a really long time, but if you're just showing up and sitting in the blue chair or pew or whatever you're going, um, and then you're just out of here an hour later, but there's no relationship outside of that, there's no larger um, fit into the body of Christ, it's pretty easy just to kind of slip away, right? And I think that the solution is to immerse yourself into the Christian community to do something eternal. That's one of the things that Craig said that I loved. To volunteer for kids' ministry or youth ministry or pray or do a mission trip or join a small group, but something to where you are plugged into the body of Christ. And like I said, the body, all the parts are important. We've all been created, you know, with unique gifts and blessings the way that God made us. But we need to use those things for the body. And if we have all these gifts but we're just using it for ourselves. we're not really living a discipleship lifestyle. We're not really following through on what God has called us to. And so for me, it's pretty exciting to think about, like, you know, people who are using what God is giving them and making disciples, and then they're making disciples. And, and, and I just get all caught up in this idea of discipleship. But it's pretty easy when I'm, when I'm thinking about that and, oh, there's a person who I can really you know, make them, you know, be a disciple and hopefully they'll spur on others. But the first step to that is obviously, and I, and I talked about this at the beginning of the sermon, and I kind of feel like every time I preach, I don't apologize for this, I want to invite people to start that relationship too. And that if you haven't started that relationship with Jesus, that is the very first step towards being a disciple of Christ. And that for us who are already Christians and disciples, that we need to love people into that relationship and into this belonging, into this community, into this body of Christ. And um, one thing that I think the church in general, I don't know that anyone ever wrote this down or put it in like a board minutes or anything, all right? But the, the church in general in the U.S. for 
I don't know how long, it seems like kind of the model has been something like this, that if someone behaves, then they will believe and then they will belong. That basically that means that if they behave like us and dress like us and act like us, then pretty soon they'll believe like us and then pretty soon they'll belong, right? But, I mean, the word tells us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That why would someone want to behave and believe like us when they don't belong, right? And so for me, I think that we need to flip that. We need to love people into belonging, love people into this place. I mean, not just this local church, but the faith, the church in general, the church with the big C. And that when we help people to belong and create a place where maybe people dress differently or act differently, but that's okay because we can't actually coerce or pressure them into you know, becoming a disciple of Christ. We can only love them into that and then leave the life change up to Christ. <laughs> and it, at one point in my life, a few years ago, I was feeling a little bit down on um, something with ministry. I don't remember what it was, but I remember I was feeling like, man, I'm working really hard on this thing, and it just seems like it's not, not really going well. Um, and I, I talked with a friend of mine. His name was Lane. And Lane, he was a pastor a long ways away from here. And he told me, you know, Kyle, in ministry, we don't measure success the same way that the world measures success. And the world measures success by, by numbers. They measure success by fame and glory and getting all the stuff and people recognizing you. But as Christians, we measure success differently. We measure it as in we are obedient to what God calls us to. And so this morning, we are talking about how God has called us to be disciples, how we are all called, and then our success is being obedient to that, is sharing the gospel and making disciples. And it's not up to us to trick people into accepting Jesus, okay? That is not what being a disciple is about. It is about just sharing Jesus and loving people and making disciples and and leaving the heart change, which is what I think creates that sticky faith, the internal transformation that only the Spirit can do within us, that's what makes the sticky faith, right? The faith that you don't leave. And so this morning, I want to challenge you <clears throat> to think about that, to think about, have I treated people that way? Have I, have I expected a behave, believe, then belong model as I try to make disciples? And maybe to flip that, maybe to reach out people who don't fit that model, who don't behave and believe like you, but still you can love them into becoming a disciple and allow them to belong first, and then they'll believe, and that will lead, the belief with Christ in their heart will lead to that right behavior that sometimes we kind of expect from people, but really doesn't make sense from their perspective, right? Um, so today I want to challenge you. I know that um, you've been thinking at the beginning of the service, I said, Think about, are you a disciple of Christ? And if you have answered yes, and we are talking about all this, and read from First Thessalonians about what it looks like to be a disciple, and you are like, yes, I am a disciple. I am so awesome. Um, then, yes, keep going with it. And I challenge you to keep making disciples. That is awesome. And if some of you are like, well, I'm kind of a disciple. I think I'm discipling a little bit and following Jesus. Man, sell out to that. And we're going to pray in a little bit here. And I will challenge you to say in your prayer, God, I want to be a sold-out disciple. I want to be a disciple in all areas of my life. And then if you're saying, I'm not a disciple, I'm not even a Christian, well, today might be a time that you could do that. And you could say, you know what, God, 
I want to start this discipleship lifestyle. I want to invite you into my heart, and I want to start this whole Christian thing. And if you've already done that, but you're not a disciple, well, you can do that right now too. And when we pray, you can say in your heart to God, you can say, Lord, I have accepted you, and thank you for saving me, but I want to be a disciple now. I want to give my life to you. I want to make disciples. I want to make disciples in all the nations. That is something you can start today too. So, Mike, I think you're going to come play a little music for me. And um, as we pray, um, if you are in any of those places, I would just just talk to God. And um, I know that for some of us, praying can be awkward at times, especially from a pulpit with lots of people listening. Um, but it's, it's pretty nice when you can just pray and no one hears you. Um, so just whatever, just be real with God. And in your prayer, just say, God, if this is your heart, I want to be a disciple. And if you're already discipled, Praise the Lord for that and just ask the Lord to keep helping you on that path. So let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. It tells us how to follow you and lays out your plan for our lives. And you have the best plan for us, Lord. A life where we are loved and we love others, Lord. And I ask that as disciples, you would challenge us and that we would be able to make disciples. And for anyone here, Lord, who is thinking... I want to start this path today. I've not done it before, but I want to invite you into my life. I just ask that you give them the courage and obedience to do that now. In their hearts, pray that to you, Lord. And for anyone else who is thinking, man, I've already done that. I've accepted Jesus, but I haven't really become a disciple. I ask that you give them the courage and obedience to do that this morning, to pray, Lord, I want to be a disciple. Use me to make disciples, Lord. I commit to that. And Lord, for the rest of us, I just ask that you would... Help us to live in a way that brings honor to you and brings other people to you, Lord, that makes disciples, Lord. We just want to praise you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. And we thank you again and again. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Well, thanks for putting up with my um, quiet voice this morning. And uh, today, go in peace as disciples of Christ and go make some more disciples. You're dismissed.